Welcome to a special edition of Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. My name's Dan. I've been a comic fan for a long time. And my name is Dwayne, and I've been with the Marvel Cinematic Universe since Iron Man. Oh my, Dwayne. So, so ever since the start of the year, we've been reading through the history of Moon Knight, right? In preparation for this TV show. I gotta say that after the first couple episodes, it started to feel like we almost needn't have bothered, right? Because right. everything had just gone completely off the rails. We didn't actually know any of the characters. They were just making stuff up. You were wondering what was actually going on, right? Then episode four happened just, just yesterday. Uh, and suddenly we get this spectacular sort of comic-to-screen collision, and suddenly everything starts to uh, come together a little bit. So, needless to say, we have got a lot to talk about. Oh yes, we certainly do. But before we get started, keep in mind that this is going to be a very spoiler-filled discussion. If you have not watched Moon Knight Episode 4 yet, and you do not want this spoiled, and trust me, you do not... Pause right here and come back to us once you've seen this episode. As we do every week, we're going to start out by reading the Disney blurb, talking about how sort of inadequate it is, and then moving on to a recap. So this week, according to Disney, Mark and Stephen trekked the Siwa Desert with Layla to find Amit's tomb, but the threats ahead look to protect the goddess's resting place. So... I don't don't think that there is a more inadequate description of this episode (laughs) than that description right there. It is, uh, yeah, that is terrible. So, in their defense, though, a good description of this eluded my one-minute recap plan that I've been doing. So this is the... Slightly more than one minute recap, but if everybody's ready, we're going to do this and then move on. So, the episode begins with Khonshu's Yushabti being placed into a wall niche where it joins a number of other similar statues. We then see Layla saving Mark in the desert, after which the two of them take off after Harold. Stephen and Mark fight over control of the body on the way there, with Stephen refusing to let Mark take over. Our heroes find the location of the tomb and grab some supplies from the deserted and slightly bloody camp just outside of it. Stephen and Layla kiss, and Mark punches Stephen in retribution as they head inside. Stephen then geeks out for a bit once they're in the tomb, but eventually figures out that the entire location is a maze in the shape of the Eye of Horus, and they follow the path that corresponds to Horus's tongue, thinking... That's the right direction because the last avatar was the voice of Amit. They find a bloody chamber, and they get separated after being attacked by an undead priest. Layla defeats that priest and throws him over a cliff, and then finds out from Harold that Mark Spector was involved in the death of her father. Meanwhile, Stephen finds a sarcophagus of Alexander the Great, who it turns out was the last avatar. He vandalizes his corpse, and he gets Amit's Ushabti. Layla then arrives, confronts Mark about her father, and they stand around and talk about their feelings just long enough for Harrow and his crew to catch up to them. Mark is in control again, and rather than give up the Ashapti, he takes on Harrow and his small army all by himself. This does not work. He gets shot and then falls backward into a pool of water. 
Spectre then sinks, seemingly forever, and the scene switches to a VHS-quality shot of a movie starring famed archaeologist Stephen Grant. The movie's playing in a facility where Mark Spector is a patient, along with Layla and Crawley. Mark is then taken to meet with his doctor, who turns out to be Dr. Arthur Harrell, and we're given a scene similar to the one in The Usual Suspects, where Mark looks around the doctor's office and sees photos and objects that imply he has been imagining everything we've seen up to this point. He runs out of Harrow's office, finds Stephen, and together they try to get away until they eventually run into the goddess Tauret in the form of a massive humanoid hippo. There we go. Hi. <laughs> just, it's so crazy. That was such... That was a great recap, by the way. Great recap, by the way. Thank you. Uh, we have a lot of different things that we could talk about. In no particular order, we're going to talk about statues, Ushamtis. We're going to talk about Dr. Arthur Harrow, Tomb Raiding with Layla, The Asylum, Tauret, and, of course, comic book references, because there is a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. This episode is a comic book reference when it comes right down to it, almost. So... I would suspect you should probably lead this one off, though, because we're starting with statues, and this has become a bit of an obsession of yours over the last few days. I think. It's, so. <laughs> it has. We So I had noticed in the background of episode three a bunch of little statues in the background during the, the, uh, the um, discussion between Spectre and Yatsil. And the episode starts this week now with the Umshanti of Khonshu being placed in a wall by the avatar of Osiris. Uh, not the only one in that wall, as you alluded to in your recap. There is there is a lot of them, and like at least a dozen, probably yep. more than that. Something like that. Yep. In the in the main pyramid of Giza room where they had the trial during episode three, you can actually see several dozen of them they i it's hard to tell you know real definitive detail in them because uh there's a lot of them and it's a background shot but uh i wasn't sure if it was going to matter and and we talked about it briefly last week but it ended up getting uh put on the cutting room floor but yeah what's going on here and specifically the look slash pause of the Osiris avatar after he places Khonshu in that wall really makes me think there's something up with these with, with the remaining gods uh, that they're doing something a little nefarious and uh, and that that might be why there's so many of them has has the Ennead gotten corrupted? Yeah, I think. You're, you're absolutely correct to be a little suspicious of this because it, it almost looks like they have just been over the centuries doing some sort of a palace coup where essentially the, uh, right. the, the Egyptian pantheon is sort of being winnowed down into statues uh, by almost like this, this weird you know, uh, religious survivor episode or something like that where they're <laughs> one yes. at a time, they're just being taken away. And so... We'll see how it all works out, but it does kind of lead into that idea of, you know, some of the early promos talked about a war of the gods, and that maybe that's kind of what we're seeing occur here. We'll see how all this goes, but I suspect we haven't seen the last of 
of that chamber with all of those little statues. So where are we going now? All right. So I wanted to just mention that I'm really starting to like the Layla character. And this episode specifically, yeah, she got a lot of interesting stuff to do. Uh, starts mm-hmm. out by sort of saving the hapless Stephen, essentially by blowing up a, uh, a truck uh, of the bad guys, uh, which we would assume are, are Harrow's men who'd come to, to track them down and finish them off. Uh, yeah. And then later on when they get to the tomb as well, she's got a very Indiana Jones kind of, uh, of scene where she's wandering along on the side of the cliff and just about falling and then, of course, eventually has the classic goes over the side of the cliff with the, with the mummy uh, or the, the sort of undead, undead priest, priest, I guess is what we'd call yeah. it. Um, yeah. And then miraculously somehow manages to pull herself back up afterwards. But really, she sort of got to play the role of the Indiana Jones archaeologist action hero sort in this one. And that was really well done. Fun stuff, interesting scenes. Yeah, I mean, she's very much in her element, it looks like. I mean, not just knowing what they're in store for being an archaeologist, but being able to hold her own and, yeah, go toe-to-toe with this with this hecka priest undead priest that is a pair there's at least one and i there's some discussion in my house whether or not there was more than one because they kept shooting at different things so i'm mm-hmm. almost feeling like there was more than one but but yeah she ta- single-handedly takes one takes one down all while you know precariously going across this huge chasm uh thing and it was it was very interesting and 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 like we talked about last week the the information about mark specter having some something to do with 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 her father's death ended up coming to a head a little bit sooner than i was expecting um but even that kind of discussion when she goes in and 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 confronts uh steven who then let's mark out so that they can talk about it uh, was, was really interesting. So in the comics, when has Marlene, how many times has Marlene actually ever gotten to do as much as we've seen Layla do in this episode and the like? I would say we've never seen that. I mean, we've seen bits and pieces. There was, there was some times where she would go and help and like beat up, uh, you know, random goon number four sort of situation, no. or she'd have this big gun and threaten to use it in, in like uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, but but nothing to this level. Yes, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking as well. Is it's interesting just how in in the Moon Knight comics, you know, there were times where Frenchie got to be sort of the lead. We even had an episode where Crawley kind of got to be one of the heroes in the one of the Chicago episodes where you got to push over a bunch of boxes on the goons and the like. I don't know that really we've ever had a, an episode or a, an issue of Moon Knight that's given this much of an actual focus to letting Marlene really... And, and to be clear, the Marlene character in the comics has displayed all of the skills that Layla yeah. has here because she's got her sort of black ninja gear that she wears when they go out and fight and she fights right alongside Frenchie and like 
she has the archaeologist skills because we've seen a numerous number of times where she's like been called on to give lectures and do all of this sort of stuff. But there's really never been a time where they've taken advantage of the character as well as the show has taken advantage of the renamed Marlene that they're now calling Layla. Yeah, I, I think this is... And this is a great move for the TV show, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I the Marlene character in a lot of ways is very one-dimensional in the comic books and and does and is really just this not even sidekick it is just kind of almost i I don't want to say afterthought but at the same time that's kind of how it feels and and as you pointed out she she has demonstrated these things in the comic books at various times to a smaller degree and like i i really think that you know let letting the character out and letting 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 her do everything we saw her do in this episode does does a great service and makes the character more interesting and makes the story more interesting as a result of it mm-hmm. it's it's much easier to see why mark specter has been obsessed with marlene for 40 years watching this episode than yeah. reading 40 years of moon knight comics exactly all right so anyways Moving on to our next one. What do you have for us? I think we would be remiss not to talk about the asylum. After Mark Spector is shot twice and falls back, not dissimilarly to how he did in the alley uh, in, uh, in episode three, right? Yeah, it was episode three. Um, we... we First get this shot of the movie, which I I was like, this is totally a movie. And I'm like, they didn't suddenly make him wake up as a TV producer like he has several times in the comics. But we see this all-white asylum, and it's full of people we've seen throughout the first three episodes of this show as either patients or orderlies in 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 the main room. We've got Crowley, we've got Donna, we've got... Uh, Billy and Bobby as orderlies. We've got Anton Mogart's man, Beck, as an orderly. We even mm-hmm. have things, items showing up. Things like the Rubik's Cube is being played with and almost the white side is almost completed. And, and this patient that's drawing a hummingbird with a conchu head on it. There, yep. It was just... This absolutely floored me. I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at this... And I'm like, these are the Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood books. Like, this is yes. literally that that first Welcome to New Egypt arc all over again. And it was... I, I still don't know if this is real or not. I kind of felt like I had started to figure things out with with regards to the, the books that we just got done talking about a couple days ago where I was having a hard time figuring out what was going on after our discussion. I felt like I kind of knew, but where are we? (laughs) Where is this asylum? Is this the last moments in the head of a dying man who has, you know, got shot a couple times? Is this the astral plane or something like we saw in, in black Panther is 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 this the underworld was everything else a a dream and now we're getting to reality or was everything else reality and this is the dream we don't know anything yet so 
I do think it's, this has been something that there's even, you know, Noel, one of our frequent um, correspondents, has kind of noted even that the last couple of weeks have been like, I don't think they're going to dare do this. I don't think they're going to do the Lemire run because they just can't. It's too confusing as a starting point. And then, well, I was just 100% mistaken at just how bold they were going to be, right? Because we are, we are smack dab yeah. in the middle of one of the most, like, brilliant, but also one of the most confusing runs in Moon Knight history. And so they've just decided to dive right in and, and attack it. We'll see, but, but it is, it's interesting, too. You watched this with a few other folks who yeah. are not comics fans. Right. I, and, and I was just going to say, we, we, so I watched it with, with my wife and a friend and we were watching this and I'm just giddy because I'm like, I know what this is, but I don't know what it is, but I know what it is. They watched it there. And, and like, as soon as the episode ends, my, my buddy looks at me and he's like, I've enjoyed these episodes. I've been all right. This is great. And he's like, this episode ended. I'm like, where's the next one? I need the next one right now. The it, it it seems to it seems to hit not just comic book fans. It seems to hit people who have not do not have the the Jeff Lemire background and, and haven't read, read those comics before. Yep, and that is the same experience I have. Like my my wife, my son, my daughter. They're both teens. Have been watching the show as well, and everybody enjoyed the action scenes you know the, the suspense kind of the when when the um, priest was coming and grabbing Layla and stuff like that we had some little you know like jump scare type stuff that everybody yeah. loved and then when you get to this part it was it doesn't make any sense but it's cool weird enough and they kind of have already prepared you for the fact that everything's a little bit confusing in this show that nobody was really all that particularly thrown off by it. They're like, well, this is what this is what's happening now, right? And yeah. and then the hippo shows up and it's just like, yeah, okay. We're we're just not even gonna worry about it anymore. Who knows what's happening? So I, I think that my worries that this would make it something that would be difficult to be accessible for folks who weren't longtime comic fans, who didn't know the Lemire run, may have been overstated and i'm yeah. super happy by that yeah so definitely so other than that though what did you uh, what did you think of kind of the uh you look around the the place a little bit all these little easter eggs and everything and people are going to be going through and looking at there's whiteboards with various stuff on them and everything i assume yep. there's going to be all sorts of stuff in there there's, I, there's i mean yeah Cupcakes. There's, you know, Jello in the same <laughs> color as the, as as the, like the resurrection regeneration things that were in that priest room that they just got done. It is amazing. Like, I, I, I and he he's got a Moon Knight figurine in his hand when he falls yes. out of yes, the out of the chair. It's like there was there is so much there that like I could you can. I can watch this episode a dozen times and probably still find things, uh, not just about this, but the entire episode that 
that that I missed the the last time through. It's just it is absolutely crazy the level of detail here. I also think it's interesting that I've there's so much stuff out there now that I don't watch a lot of things multiple times anymore. But to get ready for this, I kind of watch it once for fun, once taking notes, once to kind of just get it in my head again before we before we record. These are really just enjoyable. You can actually literally just watch these a few times and it doesn't get particularly old. They've done a, a really nice job of making something where the characters are just folks you want to spend some time around and it's it's a very very rewatchable show. So Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree with that. All right, so you have a theory about Arthur Harrow that I, well, I that, that I'm very interested in here. Well, I think just coming out of the comics last week, you know, if if we are in the Lemire run, and by the way, if you guys were listening to Tuesday's episode, after Tuesday's episode, we went out and I'd seen two different competing ways to pronounce the name of the guy whose name is L-E-M-I-R-E. Uh, and we'd pronounced it Lemire. I'd pronounced yes. it Lemire during the last one. Went out and actually found some audio of him saying his name, and it's evidently yes. Jeff Lemire. So I'm yes. going to try and make that adjustment in my head, but I've had it wrong in my head for a long time. So if I get this wrong, sorry about that. But we'll we'll move on from here with it uh, the way he pronounces it, uh, as, at least as best as I can. But in the Lemire run, he introduces a doctor, Dr. Emmett, who is a woman who essentially has been caring for Spectre since he was younger. And as we go through and, and learn, she's somebody who develops almost like an obsession with the condition that he's suffering from and trying to understand everything that was going on with it. And so that Dr. Emmett character has a lot of similarities to Arthur Harrell. And I think that when they were making the character... Because Marvel's Marvel and they're sneaky and they didn't want to give away that they were doing the Lemire run, but they did want to be able to actually have a name they could give out for one of their main characters or one of their main actors in Arthur, in uh, Ethan Hawke. They named him Arthur Harrell, which sort of misdirects us back to the Fist of Conchu books from volume two. But the thing about Arthur Harrell is he's Dr. Arthur Harrell. So they kind of gave away that this was going to be a doctor. What we didn't realize is the Arthur Harrow part was the red herring. The doctor part was what mattered, and they've essentially... Arthur Harrow is Dr. Emmett, who's the one that, in his, um, in his sort of state in the asylum, he keeps thinking and, and getting confused. Dr. Emmett, who's a, you know, normal psychologist, with sort of a servant of Amit or Amit herself as he goes along. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that in actual fact, uh, nicely played Marvel, that <laughs> Arthur yeah. Harrow is actually just Dr. Emmett from the comics. And it makes sense really too, because in the Lemire run, Dr. Emmett is the boss of Billy and Bobby and same thing here. So a lot of the characters and other things map over pretty well. If you just ignore the fact that the guy's name is Arthur Harrell and go with the fact that actually this is Dr. Emmett and there we are. 
when you shared that with me that makes so much sense like it, it and and it does it it totally misdirects you into looking at this this one-off comic early yep. early in in moon knight run so you would not be looking at the jeff lemire greg smallwood run at all yep. at all going into this series so that it yeah that very very well done they they know how to keep secrets at Marvel. They really do. It's uh, but but what I like is that there was still that hint of honesty. That if you go past Arthur Harrow to Doctor Arthur Harrow, they did still throw us a hint in there. So you kind of still have to go. Well, I guess it's a little bit our fault, but it's really not. They just flat out lied to us. So so that that takes us through that one, and now we get to the very ending of the episode. And you wanna you wanna take us through to uh to our final point here, Dwayne? Yeah, let's let's talk about the emergence of Taret, the Egyptian god uh, goddess. I guess at the end of the episode, the doors swing open. That was unexpected. <laughs> then she just says hi, and they yes. scream. It was just it was fabulous. And by the way, the fact that Mark Spector. And Stephen Grant screamed differently is yes. just amazing to me. That's just fabulous. And they just look different. You would not. Yeah. You maybe you'd think they're brothers, but literally the same guy. Yeah. And he's just he looks so different when he's the two different characters. It's spectacular. So Taurat is the Egyptian deity of childbirth, fertility, fertility, and protection. Now, what she has to do with what is going on with. Mark and Steven in this asylum, I, yeah, I have no idea that. But, like, so, why is she there? What is she doing there? You know, she exists. Why wasn't her avatar at the trial of Arthur, Arthur Harrow? Is, is she one of the, the Ushamti that are sitting on the, on the board back there with, like, Khonshu is now? I, I have so many questions about this, and and I'm going to be waiting a week for only a week, thankfully. But I'm going to be waiting at least a week to try and get some answers. So, so I enjoy being wrong. So I'm going to make another guess, and then probably see how this goes. But I have a guess. Assuming that Mark Spector actually is real, and that this somehow is a dream he's having where he's going to fight things out between the various altars and, and come up to some sort of a, a resolution, that at the end of that, he's going to wake up dead unless something takes care of the fact that he's got two bullets in his chest. Because Khonshu isn't there, Tauret is somehow or another sort of affiliated with him or understands that, that he does need to be protected, that the Avatar needs to be protected and whatever. And she's there and is going to somehow save him since Conchu's not there to save him because he's in a rock. And right. then other than that, who knows? That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes or, a lot of sense. you know what I could do? I could ask my friend Duane, who seems to have supernatural powers <laughs> in understanding why hippopotamuses appear out of nowhere. Because just 48 hours ago, we were sitting here on this very podcast talking about what we were expecting to happen and the like. And 
before we got started, you actually directed everyone to a video of Oscar <laughs> Isaac singing the hippopotamus song. And, and interestingly, this is a video from like a year and a half ago. You could uh -huh. have chosen any episode for three months to show us this, you know, admittedly adorable video. But no, you show it to me 48 hours <laughs> before an episode where two Oscar Isaacs come face to face with a giant hippopotamus. Yep. So my question is, what did Dwayne know and when did he know? <laughs> what, when did you learn that this was going to happen? Did you know? I, I did not know anything about a hippopotamus at all. How whatsoever. is that possible? I People don't I just accidentally I, talk about hippopotamuses in regular con conversation. I had no, no idea that we were going to see... Uh, Taurette and a uh, humanoid hippopotamus at the end of episode four. Just flat out weird, that is. That's all I got to say. So, in any case, I loved the hippo. I thought it was I thought it was interesting and weird. And it's just an absolutely absurd. It's, it's an absurd ending in a way that just brings this whole absurd episode together and then cut to black and then we just have to wait. And it was it was wonderful. We've had we've had books where you're talking about how you know I get the advantage of being able to just go right to the next one, and and you when you were originally reading these had to wait a month for these to come out. That's yes. how I feel like right now about this episode. Like I have I have not like I've enjoyed the first three episodes, but there is something about this episode that just sort of went over the top for me, and I like. I have to know what's going on. There is there is too many questions in my head right now for me to not just want answers, right? It is just nope. it is it was it was such such a well done episode and and I for as difficult as those books the the new Welcome to New Egypt and that entire Lemire run was for me to read because I didn't know what was going on. I loved the fact that they did this in the in the show. I absolutely love it, and I have no idea why. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it is appearing like they're going to get away with it, and that's yeah. one thing that I I'm terrified about what's coming, because if they get it wrong, it's going to land horrifically flat, and you know we could. We could have a, a Game of Thrones type implosion in terms of yeah. no one ever speaks of it again. Or they land it, and this is probably going to continue on as one of the best Marvel series, uh, one of the best Marvel productions that they've ever had. But this is gonna be this is gonna be something to remember if they get it right. And everything we've seen, I think that's so, gonna get yeah. it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I if there's any doubt on whether or not they could pull it off. The fact that they've managed to pull this much of it off means mm -hmm. that they have a very good shot of pulling the whole thing off. Yep. So, but it is going to be a long, it's going to be a long wait to see what happens next week. And then the question really is, do we get resolution on this part of it next week or do we have to wait to find out what's reality and what's fiction until episode six? Yeah, how did they finish this in two episodes? 
That's the question I've had. The other question I have is like it's a very good question. So we we were going to talk or we want to talk normally about references to the comic. So many references to the comic, it's almost simply the whole thing, like we we mentioned earlier. You know, you've got Billy and Bobby, you've got Doctor Emmett slash now Arrow, you've got the entire scene in the met, in the mental facility, you've got. Even a lot of the archaeology and stuff like that goes back to roots in the comics and the like. And when you see some of the, the fights, him being him him essentially laying in the in the sand calls back to you know him laying in the sand after one of the many times we've seen him get beat up by Bushman. So there's just a lot of things, both visually and in the story, that call back. Yeah, even the story around how how Layla's archaeologist father died yep. and and it was you know mark specter's partner killed him and he couldn't stop him that that is that is the original origin story of, correct. of, of yep. moon knight so yeah there there is so much here that is from the comics that that yeah you almost could spend more to you could spend less time talking about what isn't a direct pull from the from the comics yep so this is going to be very interesting. Anything else? Or are we... All right. Hopefully everybody else is enjoying this uh, series as much as we are. I have I've been really impressed. And we'll uh, kind of love, love to hear from any of you folks as far as what it is that you're, you're thinking about it as well. So if you've got any ideas on uh, things, things that uh, have lost you or where you really love it or whatever, let us know. So, next week, what 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 are we looking to for next week? Uh, like I said, I'm terrified about this next episode. But man, I I think it could be spectacular. It could all go wrong. But at this point, I am on board. I think yeah, it's going to be uh, great. We're so, we're in for the ride. All, every all the episode way is this the best ends. episode yeah. until the next episode. So, yeah. uh, also, while we're waiting for that, we're going to be back with you next Tuesday with our review of Moon Knight Legacy which is issues 188 to 200, written by Max Bemis, with art by Jason Burroughs, and then some other folks. And then next Friday, we'll be back here again to share our thoughts on episode five of the show. All right, that brings us to the end of our episode four review. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We'd love for you to stick around as you continue as we continue the journey through the story of Moon Knight. We recommend you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. Uh, if you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It'll help others find the show. And you can send us questions or comments to us via email, questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter. We are at phasesofmk. All right. Sounds good. Until, until next week. Oh, man. There it's going to be a long week. Yep. Have a great one, everybody. See you in a little Take while. Take care.